everyone. Happy holidays. Before we jump in, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please feel free to leave a review. It really helped me make this podcast much better, honestly. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to all the guests that I've had so far as well. They've been tremendous sports, just donating their time to this itsy bitsy podcast and just talk stuff. Really appreciate all of you. And I just want to let you all know that in 2021, I'm going to be looking at a very diverse range of people to come on and talk more stuff about. Yeah. And just so it's not confusing in the intro to this video, it kind of cut out really weirdly, but I managed to salvage all of it when I was editing. So that's all good. Anyway, I hope you all have a massive, massively great holiday, massive, massively happy holiday, I should say, and uh, an amazing new year. Thank you all. But we've got Greg Berger here, who's not only at Grimlock on Transformers, but he's also Odie in Garfield, Ripto and Spyro, the Grumble in Our Real Monsters, Spirit and Firefly and G.I. Joe, and so many wonderful projects and characters. Greg, thank you so much for joining. How are you? You know what? I'm I'm as addled as all of 2020 is. I'm all yours. I'm very flattered to be here and happy to join you for uh, whatever time we spend together. Thank oh, you brilliant. for having me. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. And kind of going into that, how has your 2020 been? I think uh, everybody can answer the question the same way. Uh, upside down, inside out, backwards, forwards, high, low. Uh, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, we're all healthy. And oh, so that, that's the big deal as we go through this together. But it's a year unlike any other. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of us who get to the other side, please God, uh, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren will ask us about 2020 uh, and how we did and what we did and how we supported each other and hopefully how we didn't... Uh, become willfully ignorant and deaf to science who is our friend mm. there i've gotten political already and we just barely got started <laughs> that's absolutely fine we talk about all sorts of things here um but, um yes yeah, funny because i was literally thinking about this when i was coming up with ideas for the episode and i was thinking i was going to go to a neil kaplan workshop by the voiceover network in february and what do i find in the news in london storm kira we had storm that may interrupt that actually did interrupt travel and i'm thinking oh, wow exactly then the virus hit i'm thinking this is an apocalypse <laughs> this is an apocalypse happening maybe you maybe uh maybe the things that don't happen uh mean that you were spared from something else happening oh no Who's i went <laughs> I, I got to go it was really great but i'm not gonna let a storm get in my way of this so yeah, we had storms and plagues. Storms are part of it. Yeah, definitely. We had storms and plagues. So yeah, apocalypse happening. And now we've got te <laughs> technology. We've got 5G. <laughs> um, and we have the walking dead. So you got it all. It's already it's already a show. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, 20, no. 2020 is going to be a horror film in a few years, I bet. Well, but, um, so yeah, let's, how about let's we start? Star with... in it. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> But so how about we start by you telling us your story? So how did you get started in acting? Like where did you get started? What's your background? You know what? I've been uh, sort of infatuated with voice-driven characters since 
I started conservatory, which was uh, after a uh, a perfectly uh, normal uh, is anything normal typical childhood teenage years through high school, and it wasn't until uh, I was in college in upstate New York uh, that a friend who's still a great friend told me that they were auditioning in the theater department. They had some roles they were unable to fill. He knew I always sort of resorted to dialect and character when I told stories at the, uh, at the dinner table, uh, uh, a dining hall table, whatever. Mm. And uh, he dragged me to this audition for a dark uh, drawing room British comedy called Loot by Joe Orton. I got the part, opening night of the play, the uh, the director said, what are you, the, the head of the department said, what are you doing in the English department? I said, I don't know, maybe I'll teach, maybe pre-law, maybe something. He said, don't stop your uh, direction, but he said, I'm here encouraging you to open your mind to adding to your direction. You're exactly the kind of actor that we, uh, that we long to work with. Um, and thereby hangs a tale. So I finished with a double major in English and theater. Uh, I transferred from the first university, Colgate, to a, a theater school in the Midwest called Webster College, now Webster University, which was a four-year conservatory acting program with movement and dance and, and uh, fencing and everything you can imagine. And uh, I graduated from there and uh, one of my professors, theater professors, acting teachers, uh, was opening a summer stock theater in Maine and asked me to be part of the first repertory company, which was plays in rotating rep. That got me my sea legs. Um, I went briefly into Boston, came back to St. Louis, went to Chicago, got cast in uh, a play that was a tour, which got me to Los Angeles and actually by way of San Diego where I fell in love with the woman who's still my wife oh. thankfully hey uh, it's the old night in Indiana Jones I chose wisely <laughs> uh, we still choose wisely and um, I spent days off in San Diego trying to get meetings with agents in Los Angeles stumbled onto some situations a radio drama that I got cast in little things led to larger things. I believe that a career is forged one opportunity at a time. Uh, the goal then becomes to exceed expectation. And if you do, uh, and if you're memorable, and if you're very fortunate, then you're remembered. And that's kind of how the acting side of things happened. I'm blabbing, but uh, mm -hmm. ultimately I was seen in a Carol Churchill play that I was doing in Los Angeles. It was the West Coast company of a play that started in New York called Cloud Nine. I got seen by the guy who was doing all of the voice direction at Hanna-Barbera in those days, Gordon Hunt. Uh, he asked to say hello after the show, which I was an understudy in wow. and had been on the night that he was there. He said, if you're as versatile as what I just saw, we should know about you at Hanna-Barbera. I thought, uh, if this is an opportunity, uh, my life is going into slow motion. And I immediately said, uh, you've had my demo for a few months now. 
If you can move it from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile, I'd love to be doing what you're doing. Uh, he laughed. I thought, you know, if I say nothing, he'll forget this ever happened by the time he got gets to his car. I didn't. He didn't. Uh, and he had me in shortly thereafter, told the story, said, can you believe the nerve of this guy? I loved it. He totally busted me and he was right. And I think he's one of the new kids and please welcome. So shortly after that, he had me back again for an episode of what was the new Jetsons. Uh, I play Curly Quasar and I have a blind date with Judy Jetson. <laughs> and that episode still airs. And uh, he kept me in mind for a series called Fantastic Max. It, this is a whole lot of origin story, but uh, I will say you asked. And uh, that was the beginning of the beginning, along with being seen in the same show, in the same roles, many roles, uh, by Wally Burr, who uh, was already using me uh, as in a show called The Littles. Um, but when he saw me more versatile, he said, I'm doing two gigantic projects, one called Transformers and one called G.I. Joe. And he said, I'm going to have you in for both. Uh, get ready because uh, we're looking for multi-voice people and you're clearly uh, a versatile actor. So um, started what you call a career, but only by uh, being seen doing what I do and, and then uh, being driven to exceed expectation when opportunity knocks. Absolutely. Whoa, that was a long answer to a short question. Well, that's all the time we have to know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's amazing. Like it just goes. And then the rest is repetition. Wow, it just, it just goes to show: don't pass up an opportunity because it could get you anywhere. When I teach, which I do on occasion, I tell students that uh, I I I believe optimistically that opportunity makes itself known to everyone and some people mistake it for just another moment. And if you do, which you shouldn't, it, then it becomes one. It, it, it's only an opportunity if you seize it and recognize it and jump on it and don't let it evade you. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so what do you, to feel nostalgic are there any books that you read any films that you watch foods that you eat anything that makes you feel nostalgic part of 2020 is that mm -hmm. uh, incredible upside believe it or don't of of quarantine because unlike the great epidemic past in 1917 we're all connected we're wired we have access to stimulus in the way of of programming and old movies and new movies and series that evaded us that we have time to binge now mm. um, so i kind of the 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 homebody part of me uh, and my wife and family we're we're embracing that ability to sort of catch up on things uh, immerse in things. Um, there's so much broadcast that is that is phenomenal, not sedative, but stimulus. We've watched all four seasons of The Crown. We're we're just uh, um, kind of cozied up and and cuddled up and and uh, with the ability to watch things. Of course, read things too. But there's so much great stuff that just tells its own story to you uh, that, that we're 
really enjoying that sort of Netflix world and this Zoom world, which keeps us all connected, which is astonishing globally. You know, it's not just viruses that are global. The ability to stay connected is also global. And, and uh, I cherish that, you know, it's a really amazing moment to go through together because the, the whole globe, the, the planet Earth is on pause. We're, we're all in pause mode. And, uh, you know, there's a downside for that, that God forbid are the, those who are stricken and their families and their communities. And I, and I mourn every passing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's also a moment of, of global connection because zoom is a thing and we've all figured out how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. But there is some good coming out of the pandemic, obviously. Um, if you lose your sense of humor, you lose it all. So there's also a lot of a lot of funny out there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what are your plans for 2021? Anything that you'd like to do more of? Anything you want to try? There are some backburner projects. I was in the middle of. I, I've always tried to be in a play while I'm doing everything else, uh, media wise. And I was in the middle of the run of a world premiere in Los Angeles, presumably, hopefully, uh, if anyone feels safe uh, being in, in groups again, uh, that, that wasn't over. So that is there for the, for the redoing. Um, I'm wired and, and connected uh, digitally. So there are things to read for. There are projects that occasionally, uh, you know, wave back and come my way. Um, there, this 2020 was the year that I was inducted into the Transformers Hall of Fame via a, a online convention called PulseCon. Uh, middle of December, I'm doing one called GalaxyCon, another online convention where I'll be one-on-one -on -one with people and actually they can send things in for signings. So they're trying to simulate that convention experience and conventions, mm. my God, they, they, they have really, really provided travel opportunity for me worldwide around, around the world. Uh, by invitation as a special guest. And um, I love that experience because uh, thankfully, you know, people, fans, their kids, sometimes their grandkids uh, come to say hello and thank you. But uh, what I think is lost on some convention guests is it's also an opportunity for us to say thank you one-to-one, -one, you know. Same way, same way it happens one opportunity at a time. Fandom, if you're lucky enough to achieve it, happens one, one viewer at a time, one reader at a time if you're a writer, one viewer at a time if you're a photographer. I think there's a lot of similarity between all the communicative arts. Um, so this is kind of funny. I, I, for some reason, I've been playing this childhood memory in my head. Um, that I don't know why, but it just really stuck in my memory. So essentially I was walking on the beach when I was like really young and all of a sudden I started sinking in the sand. Yeah, this is in England and- um, This is reality or a dream? This is reality. Like, <laughs> I distinctly remember this. And I got out in the end, but I, I just thought, was that quicksand? Like, should we like to tell anyone? And just walking like through a street market 
with like my up to my waist and like wet sand like <laughs> looking like that scene from kill bill um yeah. so i was just thinking has that ever been like a moment for you where you've like been replaying like a weird memory just randomly uh, i'd have to th- nothing pops into my mind i'm already so freaked out by yours that i anything myself no, nothing is jumping into my mind uh um i do remember when i was young now that this has become sort of my path my journey my my career all combined. I also, uh, you know, teach that the biggest part of what you do is who you are. So yes, you're the sum total of that life experience. And that made me realize that when I was little, uh, and I do think about this, I would travel, my mom used to, she would drive sometimes, she would take the bus sometimes. And I would take the bus with with my pals uh, later, uh, but in early age on the bus, or anywhere in, in a market, wherever it was, I'd look at people and I'd see how they looked and I would try to guess how they sounded. So uh, I wasn't like a precocious kid, but I would walk up and in, and engage strangers in conversation to see if I was right and if they looked the way they sounded or <laughs> if they sounded the way they looked. I've got to make a phone call go away. <clears throat> but um, I mean, there it was. It was an early passion to sort of uh connect voice to appearance and uh it's all a guessing game and sometimes you'd be right and sometimes you would be wrong but either way something in the the little kid me was was drawn to that connection between between how someone sounds and and how they look and when it's consistent and when it's consistent inconsistent it's equally interesting either way and later, when when it became part of what I do, um, it reminded me that you can you can go for the obvious traits that you see and hear and things the writer gives you, or you can ask for an additional take where you may go exactly against what seemed to be the the linear logic and do something unpredictable. I always find that more interesting when I'm a viewer. I always find that more interesting when I'm a listener. And mm. so I guess I employed that throughout my life. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, it's not quite the, um, you know, the trauma experience with quicksand, but yeah, that's really amazing. <laughs> Who could compete with quicksand? I no. mean, or, or, or what felt like quicksand, whatever it was, you, you were, you were in the muck. Mm. Yeah. You, you can't <laughs> escape. <laughs> um, so yeah, that sounds absolutely nightmarish. Oh, I, don't, I don't think it's it you don't, that well. You don't know that you're going to survive when you're in the middle of it. No, no I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like a hole that was like filled in with sand. It could be. And, and you know what? Out here, because a lot of construction happens so fast, periodically, if a pipe breaks or something, there will be these sinkholes that will appear and sometimes drink up a, a car, you know? Uh, because there wasn't enough support under the roadway. So stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just had to happen to me. <laughs> so um, do you have a favorite like behind the scenes memory from one of your jobs that you used to do or are still doing? Well, I mean, you could win voiceover trivial pursuits because uh, Frank Welker and I, who were uh, 
G1 Transformers Grimlock and and Megatron are also Garfield and Odie uh, when we lost Lorenzo Music, the original Garfield. I've been Odie since the get-go, but there was a lot of concern of how to fill that void and Frank Welker is is doing an homage to Lorenzo, but of course making it his own. What I'm getting to is whatever whatever recording booth you're in is is all the better for having Frank Welker in it with you. And uh, just to just to break the ice or or break some of the the monotony uh, during long long recordings, he would he would go to an imaginary phone booth in the in the corner of the room. There wasn't one. Uh, you'd hear coins dropping into the telephone. You'd hear him dialing, and you'd hear him having a conversation with someone who wasn't there. It was all just to sort of keep spirits up. Or he'd make the sounds of arcing noises, and all the engineers would dive for the console, and it was just him on the microphone. Um, Scatman Carruthers was jazz in the in the first generation Transformers that we all did. If he brought his ukulele, uh, because there were kind of writing sessions that sometimes went on modifying scripts while we were there, we would all adjourn to the green room or go outside to the uh, outdoor patio. And if Scatman was had brought his ukulele and was playing, none of us wanted to go back in the booth. But uh, because we spent so many hours together, G.I. Joe and Transformers days, and I, you know, I was young. I thought it would always be like that. Of course, it's not always like that. It was frantically busy and we were frantically booked. Like I've heard people describe sort of the golden age of radio where you'd go from network to network and you'd get there 30 seconds before you were on live and you'd jump behind a microphone and do whatever it was you did, which just sounds like heaven to me. But this was not dissimilar to that. and because we spent so many hours together, uh, we, we kind of bonded. And because they were so meticulous in their casting, I'm going to say, uh, uh, sort of bo- braggingly, um, so many of us had not just those jobs, but had the beginnings of careers that went on uh, to the point where I see these people all of my life. We're all in the same studios. We're all in the same green rooms. We'll never not have our memories, which is the subject you brought up. Mm -hmm. And because we all have this shared past, you know, it doesn't matter how long it's been since we've seen each other. It's just, we're buddies. Uh, uh, um, So many of us, so many of us are buddies for a lifetime. It's really, it's a very beautiful thing. Um, And you all remember the same embarrassing stuff and the same proud stuff and the same stuff. So, so it's easy to just pick up wherever it was you left off and feels like no time has passed, even though if I do the math, you know, it's decades since we did those first projects together. And, uh, but the memories are strong. The memories are bonding. It's, it's, you know, I don't want to get too warm and fuzzy, but I, I really think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So do you ever like a, like still talk, like, um, so obviously you must still like communicate with the, with your old like co-workers and things. Cause you still like work with some of them, don't you? Yeah. I mean, we co-workers. do, we don't have to work that hard at reaching out to communicate because 
we're we're on the same routes every day. We're in the same studios. We we just have continued to bump into each other for a lifetime. And on the better days, you're in session together too. Mm. So then there's then there's new memories of that. But we all we all sort of work the same uh, waterfront, uh, and so we see each other all over the course of a lifetime. Yeah. And and uh, you know I'm I'm uh, I'm a people person, so I'm I'm always happy to do my share of the conversing. Plus, I'm a blabbermouth, <laughs> which gets which fills the space. <laughs> perfect, perfect for a podcast. There you have it. <laughs> So your filmography, of course, like contains a lot of like fan favorite characters in like Grimlock and Odie and uh, G.I. Joe characters. Has there ever been a particular um, moment that you felt really humbled that your characters have made such a positive impact on someone? Uh, constantly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's empowering and humbling at the same time. And anybody who says it's, or who's not sensitive enough to get that, is kind of not as deserving of having that. Mm -hmm. um, I have been to conventions, like I said, worldwide, and I'll get back to Los Angeles and go into my agent's office or, a, or an audition. And I'll see somebody who will say, you know, it must have been awful being with all those people and blah, 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 transparent nonsense. And I'll say to them, you know what? It would have been awful for you because you would have gone there to hate it and you would have found something to hate about it. Turns out I love it. I love it and it feeds me and it makes me feel good. These are the same people that will pick up a piece of copy and say, I can't believe I drove all this way to read this piece of garbage. And I'll say, you know what? Save everybody, uh, save everybody the trouble next time. Don't drive all that way. Let everybody else move up one. Uh, or admit that you're transparently insecure and just saying that to sort of pump yourself up and beat your chest and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, definitely. That's my take. Yeah, definitely. Everyone who comes to see you ha is there for a reason. Correct. <laughs> so I've, um, I've heard you go on the record saying that picking your favorite characters that you voice is like, is like trying to decide which one of your children you prefer more. It's um, honestly true. But um, is there any anyone in particular that you'd identify with the most? Uh, or is it the same answer? <laughs> well, there's two that I, 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 I find here. Here's the deal. This goes back to sort of teaching and learning also. But mm. I feel like you reach out to the character, but the character also reaches out to you. So there has to be some bond between the two of you every time. And in that sense, they're, they're all that way. But um, Orson on, on the Garfield show is so close to neutral me that it's almost like just showing up and being me, which is not a terrible thing to do. Yeah. Um, but so Orson on Garfield, and ironically, because it's the other end of the spectrum, Spirit on G.I. Joe has the same worldview that I do because he says, Possibility and impossibility are states of mind. In my mind, there is only the possible, that which can be done. Isn't that right, freedom? His eagle who rides on his shoulder. Um, so, I mean, I get that. Uh, that that's, that's my worldview uh, in the world of possibility and, and, uh, and potential. 
you know, you have to exercise it. Now I'm not trying to make it overly serious, but I get that. I get that in, in my core. That's, that's what guides me. But uh, corn fed on duck, man, I love his minimalism. And uh, I've been known to sort of sit out of a conversation and then wait for the perfect time to come in. That's corn fed. Uh, the Eeyore work that I've done is corn fed on slow speed, but not because he's not there and not because he doesn't want you to have a nice day. <laughs> it's probably going to rain usually does at least on my house oh hum oh bother well that's Pooh's line but i feel i feel it too so the more i do here the better my throat feels grimlock is a tonsil buster dinobot leader <laughs> well that came right <laughs> yeah no so it it goes all over the chart but i find elements of me in elements of them uh grimlock is is ready fire aim so uh he's impulsive <laughs> and uh and cornfed is slow and steady and studied and eeyore is uh just convinced that in the midst of the ho-hum he also wants you to have a nice day <laughs> so he he can't get all the way there, but that shouldn't stop you. No, absolutely. Plus, he like, plus he likes thistles, and thistles means whatever thistles means to you. Oh. So if he's late, you have to tell Rabbit and Pooh and Owl. He'll be around presently, but he's looking for thistles because he likes thistles. Oh, Except for the fact that his tail just fell off oh. again. <laughs> he all just needs to take just just needs to be there for himself <laughs> and odie is the original peppy puppy wow uh and uh gets kicked off the table and comes back to get kicked off the table again oh He's just like, happy well my i wish my dog was like that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she'd, she'd rather like try and take the food from. There was actually a time at my like birthday party one time. I had all my friends over. We were just having a chill time, having some vodka and like crisps on the table. And Boudica, that's my dog's name, Boudica. She uh -huh. came in and when no, and she thought no one was looking, she grabbed the corner of a bowl with her mouth and just like pulled it off so she can eat it. <laughs> oh my god so she is kind of like that but except she doesn't jump up she jumps around and not on the table um well we read we read somewhere that you look for the cat and hide from the dog because oh. <laughs> the dog will take the bowl off the table and that's that <laughs> well my, my cat just sleeps wherever she wants it it's easy to find her well, sometimes she sleeps in the spare room when she's not supposed to go in there <laughs> um so what was it like to play odie as well like because he's like he doesn't have any lines of dialogue do you like just get like uh in brackets on the script what it should sound like or sometimes sometimes paragraphs in the script it's oh, garfield wow. is was and ever will be a buddy comedy uh just like hope and crosby just like abbott and costello just like key and peel um, Garfield and Odie are, are codependent upon each other, and uh, there's just one added restriction, which is that one of the buddies is restricted to bark, slurps, growls, and emotes, 
uh, and that's me, and they'll describe a whole series of things that are happening or uh, emotional connections, uh, challenges, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I get to filter whatever is going on in the moment through all of those restrictions. And, but what you end up with is, is two buddies who are dependent on each other, uh, corn-fed and duckman are the same way, these, these are buddy comedies, but in this case, one of the buddies happens to be a canine, mm. a really, a really happy, peppy, optimistic canine. Yeah, you've got to have that mix. Yeah. That dynamic. Anyway, uh, again, so many hours over so many years with uh, the same people and new people and Jim Davis used to come in to uh, direct all of the original specials and uh, Mark Evanier took over as uh, sort of head writer and voice director and uh, I've been an invited guest to Jim Davis's uh, art studio ranch in Muncie, Indiana and I've been an honored guest there. So. I'm, I'm just saying it goes outside of the studio and into yeah. the rest of your life. It becomes part of your circle of, of friends for a lifetime. You know, that, that, that's a really great thing. Yeah. Um, we're not just uh, the infantry who comes in, lays down the voice track and goes away and never see each other again. In, in the fortune that I've been blessed with of, of think shows that have become series that have become long-running series that have become iconic um and led to conventions and other appearances and an audience who knows us uh you know that never happens if you just show up lay down a voice track go away and you're never heard from again i've had the great good fortune of having so many of these things become understandable recognized and then embraced and then found out uh, because I meet people one-on-one, -on -one, the loyalty that has, has gone along and it, it blows my mind every time. So now we're back to what I said earlier when we were speaking, which is that if you're doing it right, you should feel empowered by it and humbled by it at the same time. Because the odds of succeeding, the odds against are astronomical. The odds of actually succeeding are, are just, minimal, minimal, uh, you know, just uh, on the low end of the chart. Um, you have to believe in yourself. You have to have uh, circumstances and opportunities that you recognize, and then you have to hit it out of the park whenever it's your turn to step up to the mic or yeah. the plate or the cricket or the field or whatever it is. You know, at some point, everybody's looking at you and you have to find a way to, uh, to, do what you said you were going to do. Yeah, just take the step, do the next right thing. Yep. Absolutely. So obviously looking back at 2020, it's been rubbish. Um, but we've, we obviously we've talked and we've just established that there has been some good. Like I, I of course, uh, met Neil Kaplan at the start of the year before lockdown. Thank mm -hmm. goodness. And um, I felt like that really gave me the kick that I really needed. But I, I saw um, Mark Grau for voiceovers mm. coaching, got my yeah. professional, professional demo, not just my own recordings, um, done a voiceover Soho, had nice Zoom quiz meetings with my family. And I think there has been some good to come out of 2020. 
Hey, look, we're doing this podcast in 2020. Yes, exactly. I wouldn't have thought to do this if it wasn't for Zoom, to be honest. We got to do this. And there, there, are, there are great resources out there, including the people you just mentioned. Mm. And uh, you find them as you go. Uh, and not everybody is right for everybody. But uh, when people are shopping classes or shopping uh, demo recording, whatever it is, that you're choosing to represent you as you as you try to introduce yourself, and at some point, all of us need to remember uh, how how industrious we were at the time that we first introduced ourselves. Well, the way you do that matters, and the people that you do that with matters, and you need to find the people with whom you're the most comfortable to do whatever it is that you want to put out there. Demos are, are crucial. Mark is very good, um, mm-hmm. but, but he's, he, he, there are some people that, that uh, he, he's, he's so good uh, that you better know what you're doing when you walk in. He's not going to spoon feed you. Nice. Uh, there are people who are sort of more nurturing and there are people, all all are valuable but each each is has has a value for a different kind of person there are some people who are artistic and very artistic who are also not extroverted um you know he's like everybody's best buddy and i love working with him but like i said there are there are people that that for whom it's required that you come in knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and knowing how you're going to achieve it. Um, so I would say uh, that as people, if people want to venture into this field, um, it's okay to audit classes. It, and anyone who says you can't audit my class, you have to take it or not take it, well, that already gives me information about that person. Um, Anybody who I think is a teacher's teacher and an actor's teacher, an actor's director, any combination of words you want to put together, of course, encourages you to audit because it has to feel right to you if you're going to put your hard-earned money into into investing in that person and what you feel they can do for you, which is, you know, unlock doors. When I teach... First thing I say is, I can't get you an agent. I can't get you a job. I can't get you further in this uh, field. What I can do is is work your muscles as if it were a voice gym, make you more versatile, make you more aware of of uh, some shortcuts that may be open to you, um, and finding how to literally build character, not only imaginary character but uh, but character uh of of knowing who you are and what it is that you have to offer that's by definition different than any other person you know we we kind of really are like snowflakes in that everyone is each one is unique and you need to find your uniqueness and um believe in believe in it yeah yeah absolutely like when I went to do my, my voiceover demo in uh, London, um, yeah, there are some aspects of my voice that I'm not particularly fond of, but then I started showing it and that's when he, the engineer was so interested and it was like, yeah, just keep pushing, keep pushing. So, and everyone shouldn't sound the same really, should they? 
And we don't have the same ears for our voices that whoever is in a position of listening no. uh, often has. So, so at some point, um, that whole looking in the mirror thing, you're going to see things that seem so large and they might be either insignificant or, or non-existent at all. But sometimes we all become overcritical of our own performance. You just, you, that's why it's so important to find people you trust yeah. along the way. And then if you trust them, don't try to talk them out of what they're trying to talk you into. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Always listen to your friends as long as they're good. Correct. No, no, no. Uh, it, trust takes a lifetime to build and a, an instant to betray or destroy. So, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. You're for, I, I, the reason I go to every high school reunion or, or cast reunion or any reunion I can find is because those are the people that, that will tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And I like that. And we're all witnesses to each other's finest moments and most embarrassing moments. And that, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember, I just remembered my, my last, my last day of school. It was like June over here when, June over here what is that supposed to be um it was June and um pretty sure it was June all over <laughs> yeah and um everyone was like signing each other's shirts bit, bit, I don't know I'm not sure if that's a thing over in America but obviously in England we like wear uniforms and yep. like, we destroy them on the last day and it's quite funny everyone's like being all these like teary goodbyes and everything and I was like okay bye <laughs> and I just like left so yeah probably I think reunions aren't for me <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so one thing I've also there's uh, much to of, be said for moving on the ability um, to move on. Oh yeah, definitely. I've, I think I moved on some more to better things. <laughs> um, so one thing I've been doing as well in lockdown is going over like films that I used to watch as well because partially this is also not not due to lockdown, but um, the Disney Plus didn't come into the UK until March this year. <laughs> That's literally how long yeah. it took. And even then, not all the episodes of The Mandalorian came out. And I've been re-watching, like, Disney films and, like, old ones, like, the ones I never I had on VHS, which is, like, can't find anymore. Um, what about you? What, what sort of films have you been, like, watching and things? Ooh, uh, we're watching, uh, like I said, we watched all four seasons of The Crown. Mm. Uh, we watched all, I think, three seasons of a show called The Shy, which is about the south side of Chicago in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, we watch, uh, we, we missed it originally, but uh, we watch a show called Episodes, which is kind of about um, celebrity nonsense in Hollyweird. Oh. And uh, it's very smart, very funny. Um, I, I we're watching so many things. We're watching Fargo season four. We've watched every season of Fargo. Um, as far as as far as classic films, I've always thought Princess Bride was a perfectly flawless film that I could watch a thousand times. Um, I, I, those are all those are what jump into my mind. But but uh, we watch what's good. I like music that. Music has to speak to me. Doesn't matter what kind of music. Uh, if it if it moves me, I'm in. Um, theater. It doesn't matter if it's absurdist or or classic. If it moves me, I'm in. Uh, television and film. If it draws me in, I'm all theirs. Oh, and we're watching a new show called The Undoing, 
with uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. That's also superb. It's just um, when everybody is is on the same ripple of the same pond, when the casting and the writing and the producing and the location managing and the if every element is sort of in sync, I'm all in. Um, and that's just the way I am with art, with music, with photography, with you name it. Uh, it has to, it has to speak to me and then I'm, I'm loyal to a fault. Wow. Brilliant. Like I was actually thinking about this, um, because I recently started rewatching the Jurassic Park films, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before it went, you know, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. And um, I actually kind of think the original three are kind of the best out of all mm -hmm. five of them so far, to be completely honest. But um, I was sitting with my mum next to me um, watching um, The Lost World. And it was like the scene where um, Julianne Moore was like, come face to face with the baby um, Stegosaurus. Mm -hmm. And I was, I literally said, isn't it, wouldn't that be amazing? Like just being up and close with these puppets. And my mum said, they, <laughs> she thought when she first saw Jurassic Park that the only way she could rationalize what she was seeing was that they were real. They were real dinosaurs because it, it was just so different because wasn't it just like the Ray Harryhausen sort of stop motion dinosaurs back in the day? Oh, please. And not night and day. Uh, the, the first Jurassic Park, uh, that, that is still as, as good as the best CGI that has ever been done as far as I'm concerned. And all uh, again, you got a whole level of special effects people and model designers and all of those things. They they built three dimensions into into prehistoric characters, just into their eyes, into their aggressions or or or, or lack of aggression, whatever it was. You you had a, a full sense of those creatures, and that that's just a whole different level of artistry that's not wasted on me. You know, there, there are people staying up late and waking up early to make sure it's the best it can be. And when, when that happens, you know, movies can still be magic. Absolutely. It's got to have a heart and soul. Right. It doesn't just have to be stuff blowing up and car chases, although car chases are choreographed too. There's mm. brilliant ones and there's sloppy ones. Uh, and it's it's always great to see when everybody did their homework and it just pulls you in. My brother, who's no longer with us, may he rest in peace, was a film editor. And he would go to uh, screenings and films and he said he knew it was a great film when he stopped calling the cuts in his head. As an editor, he's used to where the film cuts to another cut, mm. which is what he did. But if he didn't, if he, you know what I'm saying? If he consciously got out of that head and into the film, he said, I knew I was watching something great. Wow. That's, that's actually a really, really good way to think about Isn't it. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I just wanted to get the opinion on the dinosaurs from someone who played a dinosaur. That was my thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically. <laughs> yeah, no, bring it on. Uh, and and uh, the the dino that I was interested with, uh, the original breakdown said, uh, uh, "Big muscles, small brain." So I I and I watched the uh, I looked at what the artist gave me, which is these tightly hinged jaws. So I was able to manufacture. Anyway, uh, the goal is to bring enough of yourself to to all of the 
detective aspects uh, that the writer and artist and producer and people on the other side of the glass are kind of spoon feeding you. And then you mix it all together. And the goal is to offer them something back that not only surprises them, but surprises you in the doing. You don't want to be so rehearsed before you get behind the microphone that you don't surprise yourself as well. And then undoubtedly in casting for a series, they will, they will expect you to be uh, adaptable enough to take whatever direction they give you and redo it another way and redo it another way and essentially make you stop thinking uh, and, and start being and uh, that's a really beautiful part of the process. But um, I think improvisational skills, I was with a group in Los Angeles called the Groundlings. The things you learn that you don't even know that you're learning about being in the moment and keeping the ball in play and acknowledging as true everything that's going on around you, th those are incredible skills to bring particularly to a voiceover career. Because so much of the world that you're in is is in your head while you're there. And uh, we're in an age where a lot of recording is done sort of in isolation and one character at a time. So you may be talking to a room full of people who haven't been recorded yet. If you're lucky, you hear other characters in your headphones, but maybe you're the first in, then you have to create the entire atmosphere yourself. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I did a little bit of improv when I was in college. We used to like watch um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh yeah, well you couldn't do better than that. <laughs> it was it was quite funny, like putting you on the spot, it was so different, like to do um like the scenes, like we had to do like the film noir sort of things. Yep. My, my teacher would like just ax the whole thing if we said, um, and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was just a small town girl with big city dreams. Like that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so are there any like, upcoming projects that you can tell us about that you're working on? Uh, there are upcoming projects that I can't tell you about, but cannot tell you about, but, uh, but uh, hopefully I'll return to the play that we were in the middle of. And uh, there have been other opportunities, even in quarantine, um, but they're all in early, early stages. Wow, brilliant. Well, about that but show. My goal, my goal, hopefully for a lifetime, however long that turns out to be, is to, is to continue doing some of everything, including convention appearances, including podcasts, including all of these things that are, are outshoots, including teaching, coaching, uh, that are uh, offshoots of just actual session work, which is sort of the sweet spot and what has become, you know, uh, what, what I'm best known for. I keep a very active presence and I know, you know, because I see your name appear repeatedly uh, in social media. I love it. I think it's a very um, effective way to share who you are with whoever happens to be interested in who you are. Yeah. So uh, I don't, I, I try to include as much, industry uh, and nostalgia and uh, fun and entertainment as I possibly can. But I also use it as sort of a, a not a soapbox, but a, a forum for ideas as well. And I think uh, that's not a bad thing to do with social media. 
is represent yourself. Let people know who you are. Yeah, I definitely think that's something that's been lost on the idea of social media in the last couple of years. Right. It's not just pure, unadulterated self-promotion, and some people just stop there. But it presents an opportunity to, to make it something personal. And I think, I think that's quite lovely. If people aren't interested, they're not going to, they're not going to tune into your channel. If they are, uh, it's nice to have something there for them to think about. I get a lot of follow for follow kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like if I don't like respond, like, oh my God, am I going to follow them? They just unfollow me. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, that, that option is always there. Oh, I just need a few more to get to 1,800. <laughs> um, speaking of which, where can you? <laughs> speaking of which where can people find you on social media say again uh where can people find you on social media uh facebook is uh, is my my favorite uh and that's just facebook.com slash greg burger g-r-e-g-g-b-e-r-g-e-r twitter uh which i spend less time on but i enjoy it too is just at symbol greg g-r-e-g-g-b-e-r-g-e-r um Instagram, I'm on, but but boy, I, I run out of time and energy. Uh, so I'm there, but it's much more minimal. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I scribble and scribble and periodically publish something, and hopefully there'll be more of that in the not-too-distant future. I just, uh, I, I try to keep... Uh, as many things in play as possible. And that is also a really important thing for someone to not put everything into just one avenue. If you can, if you can juggle, the more you juggle, the more likely that, that there be something you can catch at any given moment to keep yourself busy. And, you know, woe to those who just sit by the phone and wait for it to come to them. It doesn't come to you. It comes to people who, who generate the energy required uh, uh, to make things happen. To, yeah. you know, it's all about each one of us. We, we generate our own energy, and that energy generates energy. And if you're, if you're fortunate enough to be in something that you want people to see, then it falls to you to, uh, to endorse it to a point where people will want to see it. Um, it's like that. I really think, um, actions have consequences and each of us generate, uh, those opportunities along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Just take every single job you can, like, like you did. Well, or don't, but if you don't make sure you know the reason that, that you don't, maybe, maybe not everything is for everyone. You don't have to say yes every time, but boy, it's tempting to say yes every yeah. time. So if it's a no, that's a significant decision, but it doesn't mean it's a wrong decision. No. Yeah, you can see like me, I'll just like, oh yeah, just take everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hungry for the yeses. <laughs> um, no, not everything deserves to be taken. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> um, but is there anything that Grimlock would like to say before we sign off today? Cesium salami, beryllium baloney. I have been blessed with so many catchphrases that people have on t-shirts. And I, here, here's what I want to say about Grimlock. It's been such a bonding experience. He's been very, very good to me. And I hopefully have been equally good to, to him. 
because I can see on uh, social media or the internet, I can see an image of G1 Grimlock come up and I can almost wait for someone to tag my name to that image. And that is a bigger deal than I can possibly describe to you, just as far as satisfaction at having uh, created a character who has a, a, an infinite lifespan of his own and people uh, continue to uh, associate m me, the human, with him, the Dinobot. Mm -hmm. So, me no bozo, me kick butt. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And thank you so much, Greg. That was the wonderful Greg Berger. <laughs> thank you for having. Um, I really enjoyed the doing of this and your questions were great. And uh, I'm happy to have shared the time with you.